Mindfulness Meditation Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Eshelman. Every Wednesday at the Rubin Museum of Art in Chelsea, we present a meditation session led by a prominent meditation teacher from the New York area. This podcast is a recording of our weekly practice. If you would like to join us in person, please visit our website at rubinmuseum.org slash meditation. We are proud to be partnering with Sharon Salzberg and the teachers from the New York Insight Meditation Center. In the description for each episode, you will find information about Tracy Cochran is here with us today, and she is the editorial director of Parabola, which is a quarterly magazine that for 40 years has drawn on the world's cultural and wisdom traditions. She's been a student of meditation and, a spiritual, um, and spiritual practices for decades, teaching mindfulness meditation and mindful writing at the New York Insight Meditation Center. And her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Psychology Today, O Magazine, and many other publications and anthologies. Please welcome her back, Tracy Cochran. I'm very happy to be back in this beautiful space. Um, And it's interesting for me to look at beautiful artworks like this and just imagine how they make me feel. That whole story aside, this one makes me feel like I'm sitting down in the midst of it, centered but open, which we don't always feel in this life. So when I was preparing to come here, I noticed something floating by on the internet that said, I never make the same mistake twice. I make it five or six times, just to be sure. But I I realized on reflection that there are certain mistakes I've made, dozens, hundreds, and even if you count every single potato chip and cigarette and chocolate chip cookie and other substances I've used to calm myself, I made the same mistake thousands of times. Thousands of times. So the Buddha's penetrating insight about suffering came from noticing cause and effect. And then it deepened into a realization of how we all cause our own suffering. So, kind of boiling it down for our purposes today, one of them is that, that there is a life cycle to people and to things. Things change. And as I was preparing, I had this beautiful day on Saturday. It was beautiful weather, one of those blue sky, balmy days. And I went to this farmer's market in this beautiful setting. It looked like a a Ralph Lauren commercial. It was one of the good things about living in northern Westchester. So I posed for this photograph. My husband took a picture of me to document this beautiful day, and I was feeling really good. 
but I had the strangest experience when, when he emailed the picture to me. I saw my mother looking back at me. It was maybe you had the experience. And if it was like one of those, it was high noon to be fair. There were these dolls that people make out of apples where you carve them and you put them out in the sun and they get wrinkled. And they, they're really, really, really cute, but in a very weasened way. <laughs> so the point is we change, we change. We grow, we age, things end. Yesterday I was met by the shocking news that Brangelina is no more. <laughs> and this morning, in the midst of all the trauma in the world, I saw a headline on the Huffington Post that said, George Clooney visibly shaken by the news that Brad and Angelina are divorcing. And I was reflecting that his wife has found the courage to take on ISIS. And still, this news about a divorce shocks him. <laughs> it's because there's something, there, not that it isn't sad, but you know, we laugh because, it, you know, it's funny until it's not so funny. And we sit down and we, we realize that we, there's an ache in us. Even if I asked all of us right now, are we content? Are we content? In a beautiful space like this, you can feel moments of contentment. But if I brought up your life or your partner or your children or your work, or the world, the state of the world, up would pop this edge, this feeling of anxiety, or unfinished feeling, or dissatisfaction, or I must do this. There is something in us that is always pushing to do something, to resolve something. And there's something in us that always feels slightly out of balance with the onrushing flow of life. This isn't me being pessimistic. The Buddha said this is so. As long as we're ordinary human beings, which we are, we will experience what is translated as suffering. The word was dukkha which is a big, roomy word that can mean everything from the tiniest little edge of unease to really heavy suffering. So the invitation in this practice is to sit down in the center of it all, like that great bodhisattva with a lasso, can I be with my suffering? Can I be with that? So I looked up the word suffer in English to confirm what I was thinking, which is that the archaic use of suffer meant to abide or tolerate. 
to suffer something meant you held it or you lassoed it. It didn't mean to just blindly experience, but to hold it. To hold it without pushing for things to come out a certain way. Sitting down for a few moments or for the 20 minutes we'll have to be free of the stories we're incessantly telling ourselves, always. This is what I am now. This is what I'm like now. When we look deeply, we begin to see that no change is also a torment. Usually, when I'm experiencing great pain and suffering, part of the story or the fear is it's always going to be this way. Right? It's always going to be this way. It's never going to change. And we might feverishly resolve to do what we can to fix things. I'll never again let myself be photographed at a high noon, for example. <laughs> I want flattering lighting. So, but, but nonetheless, there's another possibility. Another possibility. I saw this quote once. Carl Jung said, a neurotic is someone who refuses to suffer. refuses to suffer. They expend tremendous energy finding something to do or say to distract themselves or calm themselves or fix things so they don't have to feel what they fear to feel. And yet something happens when you sit down with it. As the poet Rilke said, let everything happen to you. He said this to his young poet friend in letters to a young poet. Let everything happen, beauty and terror. Just keep going because no feeling is final. No feeling is final. Something happens when we sit down and we bring our head and our heart and our body all together. A grounded feeling. And it's not fixed or frozen. It's a feeling of being part of the flow of life. So that feeling of loneliness or unease, however you picture it, being incomplete or overwhelmed by all you have to do dispels for a moment when you feel part of it. I'm part of something really cool in this place and in life. I remember that I'm part of it. I'm not just a photograph or an age or a marital status. I'm alive. I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out. I'm taking in impressions. I'm feeling joy. And the, the rain comes and I feel sad 
And I let that happen. And I let the joy come again. I've seen the Dalai Lama in close quarters and I once saw him cry his heart out. It was quite touching. And he later said that he was remembering a friend who was gone. And then he rolled on. What if we could live our lives that way, letting everything happen to us? That doesn't mean to be passive. It doesn't mean to not care. It means to liberate ourselves from the isolation of our stories about ourselves. So that to be free of suffering, the first thing we do, since I'll be back next week to say more, is to allow ourselves to touch it, to know it. What is the nature of my suffering? That's what the Buddha did. And he noticed that his suffering came from, from the life cycle, from change, and from the fact that he couldn't control anything the way he dreamed he could or he should. Nothing is under control. Isn't that relaxing? <laughs> Relax. Nothing is under control. But what we can do is be with life. So I'll finish my remarks today, but there's always so much I could say, but I won't. The, the great Persian poet Hafiz said, I wish I could show you in your loneliness and in your times of darkness the astonishing light of your own being, which is what you can show your eyes and experience now. So I invite you to take a seat, comfortable seat, that means feet firmly on the floor, and your back straight, sitting down right in the middle of your life, exactly as it is, with everything unresolved and unfinished. And we're going to be with that, letting the eyes close. If you're not comfortable with closed eyes, avert the gaze. And we're going to allow ourselves to soften, to bring our soft attention to our experience right now. Noticing how the body feels, how it feels to be in this room with others without rushing and without judgment. We allow the body to be here exactly as it is.
And as it begins to relax, we bring the attention to rest on the breathing without instructing it or asking anything of it. We simply notice the in-breath and the out-breath. And we notice that as we sit, there'll be thoughts that bubble up and impressions, sounds, sensation on the skin. We allow all of this to be present without judgment or comment. And when we notice that we're being taken, we gently bring the attention home again to the breathing and the sensation of being in this body in this time. And as we allow ourselves to relax, we notice that there is a responsiveness, a light of attention that receives. It's not thinking. It's very soft. It's natural for the attention to drift. We gently notice this and come home. Meditation is the art of return. Sati, the word for mindfulness, means to remember. To remember the present moment.
noticing as we continue that there's a kind of vibrancy in the body and mind, a light. a light that receives and also radiates. There's a feeling of participating in life. Just sitting here. Noticing that we can keep returning no matter where we've gone, no matter what burden we carry, we can come back. Noticing that there's 
of stillness in the room and in us that is really receptivity, non-resistance. and openness. Noticing as we practice this movement of return that we feel more settled, more present. And we may also feel more supported by life. of it, not separate.
knowing that there will always be more. That no feeling, no thought is final. Noticing as we draw close to the end how it feels to be soft, not braced against the flow, but soft with it. At ease with it. Open to it. So the, one of our, the beautiful things about this practice is that we don't save it for ourselves. We, 
we give it away freely to all beings everywhere. So we, the way we do this, the way people have done it for 2,500 years is to put their hands together in front of the heart space. And we dedicate our practice together here, this beautiful stillness we touched. And we dedicate it to all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings everywhere be free from inner and outer harm and danger of all kinds. May all beings everywhere feel safe and well, as well as they possibly can. May all beings everywhere know a happiness that doesn't depend on how things are going, a deep happiness. May all beings everywhere live with ease and be free, in all ways free. Thank you. That concludes this week's practice. If you'd like to attend in person, please check out our website, rubinmuseum.org slash meditation to learn more. Sessions are free to Rubin Museum members, just one of the many benefits of membership. Thank you for listening. Have a mindful day.